Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Monday. It is the 20th of November. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Former President Donald Trump says a decisive win for him in Iowa's January 15th caucuses could put an early end to the Republican presidential nomination process. Trump spoke in Fort Dodge on Saturday. We have to send a great signal and then maybe these people just say, "Okay, it's over now. It's over. We got to end it because we have to focus on crooked Joe Biden and the Democrats. This was Trump's first trip to the state since Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds endorsed his rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Trump did not mention Reynolds during his remarks, but attacked DeSantis and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. Those two, along with businessman Vivek Ramaswamy, appeared together on the same stage Friday for a roundtable hosted by an influential evangelical Christian organization. Trump was invited to attend as well, but did not come. Friday was Adoption Day in Black Hawk County. As IPR's Grant Leo Winter reports, the annual event indicates a promising trend for young Iowans in the foster care system. Fourteen Iowans between the ages of 1 and 12 found homes on Friday afternoon at the Black Hawk County Courthouse. That number was up from last year. According to foster family and caseworker supervisor Katie Squire, the increase in adoptions can be traced in part to the DHHS's rethinking its caregiving priorities. First preference when a child needs to be removed from their parents is that they look at family members first. So they want kids to stay with their families as often as possible, so the case managers at the department are looking at those options first and foremost. According to state data, the number of children in the foster care system last year was around 6,500, down from 7,200 in 2021. The University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics has received a new grant to help address child mental health issues through school resources. We get the details from IPR's Natalie Krebs. UIHC child health experts have received a three-year, $2.25 million grant through federal and state health and human services agencies. That's to continue the Iowa Pediatric Mental Health Care Access Program and expand its services to schools. Tom Schultz is with UIHC's Department of Pediatrics. He says they're working with the University of Iowa's College of Education to reach kids for mental health support in schools. It allows them to perform better in school, um, interact better with their family and neighbors, and just allow them to have more success in the short term, which will certainly translate to more success in the long term. Schultz says the program so far has focused on workforce development and providing mental telehealth services to kids across the state. And the trial of the wife of a Woodbury County supervisor accused of voter fraud resumes today after the prosecution rested its case Thursday afternoon without calling a couple of key witnesses. Kim Fong-Taylor is accused of 52 counts of voter fraud. Prosecutors say she wanted her husband to win at, quote, any means necessary when he ran unsuccessfully for the GOP primary for Congress in the 4th District and for Woodbury County supervisor in 2020, which he won. Investigators say she illegally filled out election documents and ballots for members of the Vietnamese community. The jury did not hear from Woodbury County Sheriff and a former supervisor. They were expected to testify that Jeremy Taylor said he had a, quote, lock on votes from the Vietnamese community. He was named an unindicted co-conspirator in the case. 
The defense will call its first witness this morning. Taylor's attorney says she did not take part in any fraud or forgery and has a long history of helping others. There is a chance of rain on this Monday. High temperatures across Iowa going to be in the upper 40s. This is here first from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from The Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about The Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. This holiday season, millions of Americans will be hosting Thanksgiving dinner. In many households, one important question for guests, did you bring pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? As Harvest Public Media contributor Chad Davis reports, while both dishes are similar, they carry different histories. Photos and memorabilia line the walls of Old Henry Restaurant in suburban St. Louis. It's one of those restaurants with a wall of pictures of local and national celebrities. And longtime customers come to the cafeteria for soul food staples like fish, mac and cheese, and greens. When it comes to Thanksgiving pie, Owner Ada Joyce Taylor and her granddaughter Adriana Black have a definite opinion. Potato pie, yeah, definitely, yeah. Sweet potato pie, because I want I'm looking for that sweetness in a pie. The flaky crust contains a deep orange filling made from boiled and peeled sweet potatoes. In the weeks before Thanksgiving, executive chef Tracy Stevenson and other bakers are cranking out even more pies. Uh, number of week, I would say that we go through at least 15 to 20 sweet potato pies. During the holiday, I would say 40 to 50. Millions of Americans will choose between sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving dessert. Both are American staples with a starchy custard-like filling. But pumpkin pie tends to be more spice-heavy than sweet, and sweet potato pie is typically sweeter and lighter. The reasons why people choose one over the other often trace back to where the person was raised and their race. Sweet potatoes may have resonated among enslaved people because they're somewhat similar to yams, grown in West Africa, according to soul food historian and James Beard award-winning author Adrian Miller. But he says cooking the natively grown sweet potato in a pie, that's a more European food. So it's really the expertise of these enslaved cooks making someone something unfamiliar to them to please their slaveholders that eventually gets embraced and adopted. It's the same with things like fried chicken, you know, barbecue and all these other things that were not necessarily part of the West African food heritage. Since then, sweet potato pie has become a hallmark of black cuisine and common on dinner tables across the South. But it's pumpkin pie that plays a central role in our portrait of the quintessential Thanksgiving dinner. The pie dates back to the colonial period, where settlers learned how to boil or steam native pumpkins and mash them into a filling. Bruce Craig is an Illinois-based culinary historian. He says a book from 1827 by author and activist Sarah Josepha Hale is largely responsible for the dessert's connection to Thanksgiving. She said pumpkin pie is the American pie from our founding fathers. But he says Hale got it a bit wrong. The pilgrims who came to New England brought this pie with them. They, they didn't. It's not true. <laughs> but, but she said so. So it became the thing. It became the Yankee pie. 36 years later, Hale convinced President Abraham Lincoln to proclaim Thanksgiving as a national holiday. And pumpkin pie remains incredibly popular to this day. At the Blue Owl Bakery in House Springs, Missouri, 
Owner Kim Byerly and an assembly line of bakers will create all kinds of pumpkin pie variations. These are our pumpkin gooey butter cheesecakes. So they've got like a pumpkin spice crust on the bottom and then a pumpkin pie filling with the pumpkin mousse on top and whipped cream. When restaurant bakers like Cindy Watu takes a bite of the pie, it takes her back to her childhood. I'm partial to the spices that are in it. Um, it's not like so sweet. And then um, it, it just reminds me of home, of family. And for many across the country, that's why they stick with pumpkin or sweet potato pie, because of the memories they've made when they've eaten it. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Chad Davis. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including IPR News, reporting on agriculture, food systems, and rural issues. This is your first from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. You can find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them.